You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Also, I just wanted to give you how we're going to structure this message. So, Alini and I are sharing this series. We're going to be here. Hopefully, uh, this is going to work, and, and we, we can do this uh, every week. But uh, one of us is going to introduce the, the subject, the idea. This week is going to be me. And then I'm going to give his perspective as a male, and she's going to give hers. So his and hers. And we're going to present it in that way. So every Sunday, we'll have a little bit of a mixture there. So we're going to start today. Uh, the message title for today is Feelings, Beliefs, and Cravings. Uh, if you're taking notes. Feelings, Beliefs, and Cravings. And I want to read a passage found in Matthew Chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, you know this one. This is, you know, even popular in pop culture. Um, but we're going to apply it to relationships today. I'm reading from the NLT version, and it says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend or spouse or future spouse, uh, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye. And here is a light, a light uh, adjective. Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. So obviously we want to help each other, and this scripture gives us light on how to help each other. Uh, relationships are about helping each other. Re- relationships are about building each other up. But you've got to be set up well, set up right in your heart to build each other up. And at the core of every healthy relationship, there are two elements. There is mutual respect and there is mutual responsibility. Those are the two elements there at the core of every healthy relationship. Now, mutual respect, because when you have a healthy respect and confidence about yourself, about your own personhood, about your individuality, uh, you will have the ability to extend that same respect to the person that you're having a relationship with, to your spouse, to your mate. You're going to be able to extend that, uh, that respect to their choices, to their, their personal uh, uh, ideas. And that's, that, that's important because uh, you will not demand perfection. This is really crucial. You will not demand perfection or expect perfection in order to extend respect. This is, this is important because, you know, you, you can get into a scenario of like, I cannot believe that you lost your phone. You lost your phone? How dumb do you have to be to lose your phone? Meanwhile, you take seven minutes every single day to find your keys. <laughs> and you're trashing the person for losing a phone. No, instead, when you have mutual respect, you recognize that person's individuality, their personhood, including giving room and grace for their mistakes, understanding that they're not perfect, that you don't require perfection. Instead, an appropriate response to a scenario like that would be, sure, uh, it's, it's tough. I'm sorry you lost your phone. But you know what? It happens. I mean, look at me. I lose my keys every day. First, I know, I know you didn't mean to lose your phone because you spent more time on it than with me. <laughs> no, don't do that. That, that, that negates the, the, the case. Boo. Boo. <laughs> don't do that. That's exactly the opposite of what you should do, okay? <laughs> Mutual respect is crucial. You see that? You see what happened there, how it's easy to creep in? Mutual respect is crucial. In, in a relationship. Also is mutual responsibility. It's in the same token. They, they kind of cross over each other. But mutual responsibility, it's the understanding that just as you are responsible for your actions, the other person is also responsible for their actions. Just as you have to deal with the consequences of your actions, they have to deal with the consequences of their actions. So this needs to be present in every relationship. Mutual respect and mutual responsibility. It's essential. Now here's a myth about healthy relationships that I just want to share with you and put it out there before we move on, okay? Just a a short little. uh, There is a myth that healthy relationships are pain-free. That if the relationship is healthy, that means I'm not going to get hurt or 
worse yet, I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to hurt the other person. And that's a myth. Because it's, it's a pain. It's, it's part of life. So it's not, you can't guarantee that you're not going to have a pain in a relationship or that you're not going to hurt the other person. But if you do have a healthy uh, re- uh, mutual respect, if you have healthy uh, uh, mutual responsibility, the pain that may ensue is never intentional. It's never, it never comes intentionally. Right, honey? Yes. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Um, because of that, when it comes to our relationships, we wanted to start off addressing unhealthy habits and behaviors, right? Yeah. We figure that if um, we can start with us, right, we can start the, the, the habits and the behaviors if we could look at ourselves first. Because most times, um, it's not the relationship that's unhealthy, See, there are times when there's just bad chemistry all around, like two individuals should not be together, and everybody can tell that because it's just not a good match. But most times, the majority of the time, the relationship is not unhealthy. The individuals are unhealthy. It's one party or the other party or both parties. They're just not healthy, and they need to get healthy. So in other words, um, we're, we're talking about unhealthy feelings, unhealthy beliefs, and unhealthy cravings today. Um, so here's the thing, though. If you're single in the room, and when you're, and this is what happens when you're by yourself. When you're by yourself, you don't know that you don't know, yeah. right? When you, you don't know that you have these things inside. You haven't been, you haven't been close enough in the exchange to kind of come up, you know, come up, come up to the, the issues that you have within. Like, you haven't been that close to someone. And so it becomes, until it becomes, like, impossible to hide. When somebody's all up in your space, right, they see everything. So some, some people just don't know that they don't know. So we're going to address a few of these things so that you will know. Um, and what happens when not, more often than not is that as you're noticing things about the other person that's throwing you off and you receive feedback, um, there's two ways that you respond, right? So you're in this relationship and, and that exchange and the person starts to give you feedback. And there's two, there's two ways that you respond to feedback. One is no no, I'm so sorry, that's not what I meant, that's not what I meant to say, that's not what I meant, you know, I'm sorry. Or, how could you think that of me? Right? There's the two responses. How could you see me that way? I can't believe that you've dis- you have this distorted perception of truth. So you begin to be that person like, how could you? So there's only two ways to look at it. Uh, and just like that, um, with a similar, oh, jeez. Yeah, with a similar statement, you claim absolute truth. So what happens is most often than not, the truth, though, in that scenario, um, the feedback that you're getting, the truth in that is the gap between you and your mate. Usually the truth is in the gap. So that's not, it's not an absolute truth for either parties, right? So mutual respect gets tainted when we're unhealthy, and mutual responsibility gets warped when we're unhealthy. Now, because of the reality is that the appropriate response to feedback as a healthy individual, right? And if you're healthy and if you know yourself, the appropriate response when, some, when your mate comes at you and says, hey, have you noticed this or have you, you know, noticed that, is to say, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm not perfect. I didn't mean to. Um, let me look at that. Let me, let me communicate better. Maybe I meant to say it a different way. Or I'll take responsibility that to be understood, you know, you take responsibility that maybe you didn't mean it to come out the wrong way or maybe you were acting in a way that you shouldn't have been. But the, the positive, a healthy individual is able to look at themselves and go, wait, was I wrong in this? Was I wrong? And, and take the appropriate response. Um, a healthy person often desires and welcomes feedback. Um, and if you immediately reject, deflect, justify, or shift the blame um, when you receive fee- feedback instead of taking responsibility I we're going to venture to say that you might need a heart check you might need a heart check um, and because there's something unhealthy in you right and so we're going to go and talk about these unhealthy yes things. so today before we get into we're going to give you three things that, that, that we're going to address today in, in feelings beliefs and cravings uh, three main ones that, that I, I'm sure affects uh, uh, or you have seen 
uh, operate in, in relationships. But before we get there, uh, before we give you these tools, it, these are really tools that work from the inside out, right? You've got to get the individual healthy so that the relationship can be healthy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, let me, let me just ask you this. Don't listen to that today for somebody else, all right? When you hear what we're about to share today, don't picture somebody else. Don't you be here like thinking, oh, I wish somebody was here or start elbowing the person next to you, okay? Because today we're not working on the issues of your relationship, which me really means like, Lord, why is she crazy? <laughs> I know she's crazy, Lord, but I just want to know why. I want divine, <laughs> divine revelation as to why. Or Jesus, why is he such a pain in my rear? Okay. This is, not <laughs> this is not about that. Today is about you, all right? And I know you're fabulous. I know you're amazing. And I know when the other person has a speck in their eye and they can't see your fabulousness. They cannot see how amazing and beautiful you are completely. You have the urge to go in and take that speck out. But today is about the log in your eye, all right? Let me just put it simply and lightly and lovingly. All right? Today is about you and your, in all of your glory and beauty. Okay? So, talking about feelings, beliefs, and cravings, we're going to start with feelings. And I think that at the top of the list, if we're talking about feelings that affect a relationship negatively, that we have witnessed probably in your home, probably amongst your parents or a sibling, or even you yourself have, wit have witnessed this, I think at the top of it, it's anger. Anger is one of those feelings that, that they can become actually endearing. We can grow to have an affection for anger because it just, it pumps you up in a way that, that, that it, it, it disguises as justice. It's like, you know, you have this sense of strength and justice that you're moving forward and it can become this source of, 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 of energy for you to move against something. That might as well be wrong. You might as well be uh, uh, something that is not fair and just. But when anger gives you that high and you give yourself to it, when, when anger finds room in your heart and you harbor it, there are byproducts that come with it. It begins to affect your perspective. It begins to affect the way you see the world. It begins to affect the way you deal with others. And the byproducts are never good. They are never healthy. And they are always, always destructive. So anger can ruin relationships. Uh, and today, you know, we, I'm going to give you a couple of, of byproducts of anger. A few, actually. Four or five. The first one is violence. That's a given, right? It doesn't surprise you to think that anger may lead to violence. And violence will, get, will, will destroy any relationship. Violence will get you in jail. We'll put you behind bars in the cell. But violence can also, you know, uh, uh, cause you to, to, to uh, uh, be negative toward another person, even if you don't hurt them physically. But you can hurt them with your words. You can be violent within and, and, and have an outrage and take it away on, take it on the wall. You know, you, you don't, you, you've, you've, you're a prime customer at Home Depot for your sheetrock replacement. Because uh, there's, there's that wall that you always punch through. Uh, and it's your thing. You know, if, if that's the case, there's undealt anger that needs to be healed. There's undealt anger. Before you, you think about the issues in the relationship, before you think about how to get well, you got to get well within. And you got to deal with that. The second thing, the second byproduct is outbursts. You know, it's when something really small becomes something really big in the twinkling of an eye. All of a sudden, you're Willie Turner. And if you don't get the reference, it's okay. Maybe 1% of you will get the reference. It's a character uh, Steve Harvey used to play, a really angry character. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> something really small becomes something really quick, fast. Or something really big, fast, quickly. You know, it doesn't take much to offend you. Doesn't take much to offend you because every day there is an idiot on the road. 
All right? Every day there's people that just get under your skin just the right way because they are just incompetent. They're ignorant people that just rub you the wrong way. I mean, just this morning you went to order some coffee and you ordered coffee with almond milk. And they had the urge to give you coffee with vanilla almond milk. And what kind of incompetence in that? I mean, isn't that an example of a stupid, inane society of Neanderthals that cannot do anything right or what? So you did what any sane person would have done in that situation. You took that cup of coffee and you tossed it on the roof of that fine establishment and you took off in your car. That's what normal people do. Listen, if any of that rings a bell with you, if any of that, you know, amen, Jesus. If any of that uh, uh, matches with what sometimes goes on on the inside, there's anger that needs to be dealt with. And if you're in a relationship, you know, if you're in a relationship and things quickly make you angry, and you look for sympathy in your partner, in your mate. To say, why aren't you getting as mad with me? You're not going to find sympathy. Why? Because you have an anger issue. And your partner maybe doesn't. So they don't see it the same way. And you may call him a pansy, somebody who doesn't care. And you, everything, you know, you know where this can go. So you got to deal with the anger. That's a byproduct of anger. The second thing, and this affects introverts more, it's isolation. Or the third thing, the third byproduct. It's isolation. Anger can cause you to isolate. Maybe you don't outburst. Maybe there's no violence. Maybe there's no outbursts coming out of you. But for you, you take everything in. And on the inside, you're fuming. I mean, you may, get, you may even blush, but on the inside, you're fuming. But you take everything in, and your reaction is to isolate. The angrier you get, the more isolated you get. The angrier you get, the more you push people away. The angrier you get, the taller and thicker are the walls that you build between you and, the other, and people around you, including your spouse, including your mate, including the person that could be an excellent mate for life. But because of the anger, you isolate. You don't let them in. You don't let them know. Maybe because you think they wouldn't understand. Now, that's not because they don't get you, right? They wouldn't understand you, not because they don't get you. They wouldn't understand you because you have an anger issue that you need to deal with. And we're going to talk about how to deal with anger, by the way, at the end. And uh, the last one, the last uh, uh, byproduct I want to share with you here that, that anger uh, can bring is resentment. This is really common in our culture and society today. Anger can lead to resentment very, very quickly because if you harbor anger, and maybe what was done to you was wrong, it was bad, right? Something said something, some, someone said something, someone did something to you that was bad, it hurt you, but you didn't deal with it. You didn't solve the problem, you didn't forgive the person, you didn't do what you should have done, and you're harboring it. Then it grows into resentment. You begin to resent that person. Then it goes from that person to that person's group or family or people that look like that person. Then it can go to the entire group of people of the national population. Right? That's how you get sayings, stereotypes like men, men are dogs. Right? Or, or women are crazy. Right? I said that on purpose here because you, you hear it. Right? Why? Because you had one bad relationship, one bad situation where somebody was a dog, somebody was maybe acted crazy, acted like a dog, I should say, to, to, to set you up nice. Thank you, yeah. Acted wrongly, maybe they cheated on you, maybe you gave them your heart and they broke it, maybe they didn't value because they had their own issues, because they were, you know, unhealthy themselves. And now all men are dogs. Now all people, you know, are, are bad. And, and, and then you, 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 instead of being genuine again, you're a player. You don't give your heart away because you have resentment. And you apply that resentment to your relationships. You, you, you give the person who had nothing to do with it the bill for something that somebody else did to you. They have to deal with it now because you didn't deal with it yourself. It's an anger issue that needs to be dealt with.
You can't respect the person. Mutual respect is not there. Yeah. And sadly, that kind of anger, you will notice that isolation and resentment will lead to depression. And there's a lot of people we find that are depressed because they're actually angry. And so they became so angry and isolated so much. And they became, you know, you, you get, you, there's only enough walls you can build while you get lonely. Like not lonely as in I'm just alone, but really lonely. And so it leads to depression and that's, you know, we know, we know depression is a greater thing even to deal with. Um, the next thing we're going to speak about and I'm going to share with you is out of belief. Now, a lot of people think that shame, we talk about belief and shame. Shame is a feeling, but shame is not a feeling. Shame is a belief system. Shame um, may have feelings attached to it, but really it's a belief, a core belief that you have about yourself. And we love the way Dr. Sandra Wilson wrote it in uh, Hurt People, Hurt People. That's the title of the book, Hurt People, Hurt People. And she says, shame is a deep soul belief that there is something wrong with you that is not wrong with everybody else. Like, think about that for a moment. It's a deep soul belief that there's something wrong with you that's not wrong with everybody else. See, shame is different from guilt. Because guilt, especially the biblical guilt, it is meant to change you. Guilt is, is this, um, it's a moral or legal thing, right? Where if you do something wrong, um, you feel guilty about it. Because if you break the law, you feel guilty. If you um, do something that's not right to someone else, you feel guilty. And that's good because it leads us to behave right, right? It leads us to uh, apologize. It makes us like, okay, it, it is a healthy um, a healthy thing to feel to lead you to change, yeah. right? Guilt produces change. It produces a repentance and it makes you better. But shame, on the other hand, is never better, makes, never makes you better. Shame never leads you to repentance. Shame is always, always destructive. Shame is an attack on identity. It's a direct attack on identity. See, shame, what it does is it twists your view of yourself. And it's, it, it's not what the healthy identity God gave you. Remember, the Bible says that, God, that we were created in God's image. And so what shame does is it twerps what's inside of us and it makes our view of ourselves be less than so now the talents and the capacity and the potential that you have inside can't go beyond what you believe about yourself so it can't go beyond your shame so you're trapped yeah all your talents all the giftings everything the ceiling of it is shame and so you're trapped inside like I, you know shame is that door stopper shame is the limiter it's the ceiling and shame also has byproducts Right, and I'm going to talk about three byproducts of shame that we commonly see. One of them is blame. So shame likes to point the finger at someone else, right? So you, your identity, um, because, because shame doesn't leave room for responsibility, and so it's who you are and you can't help it, right? Um, you say, well, my parents raised me this way. This is how I am. Or I'm a baby boomer and this is how we did things and this is what we were taught and this is what it is. You know, so it, 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 instead of taking responsibility for maybe a certain actions that you did, you default to this is who I am. This is who. And some of you in the room, I got to tell you that you're, you grew up with parents that said that when you messed up, they didn't say, hey, that was wrong. Let's not do that again. They looked at you and said, how could you? You are so dumb. Or, I can't believe you just did that. You are lazy. You are this. You know, parents that, maybe a lot of you growing up heard parents that would say you are instead of, hey, you did. Right? I've had this experience with Maya because whenever she does something that is not correct, she has before looked at me and said, I'm so dumb. And I looked at her. The first time I heard that from her and I was like, I'm sorry, what? She goes, oh, yeah, how could I do that? I didn't think. Like, baby, we make mistakes. We are not dumb. You made a mistake. You could have done that better, but you are not dumb. You are smart. You are capable. And I begin to speak into her what she really is because that gets infiltrated when we're really, really young. Somewhere along the line, someone told us that we were not good enough. Right? That somebody tried to instill shame into you. And so I want you to 
pay attention. What as parents in the room recognize that you know when, when the wording is a big deal and how you speak that into your kid's life. It's a mistake, not who they are. They are called for greatness. They are great, right? And so shame has a way to sneak in like that, and, and you know, and it and and then because it snuck in, you, this is who you believe, and because you believe this is who you are, now you have to blame other people because what's the defense? What's the alternative? Yeah. Right? What's the alternative? If this is who I am and I can't change it, um, I got to blame someone else. So you begin to push other people and blame other people for your shortcomings. The other byproduct of um, shame is low self-worth. Again, it goes back to never being good enough. Because you grew up hearing some, you know, maybe words that weren't so encouraging. Or because you did something in life that marked you right? Maybe you made a few bad decisions in life and it marked you forever and that shame kind of deposited itself in your heart and then you go, well, you try to measure up, you buy the new car, the new house, the muscles, you do everything you can but it's just not enough and, and you try to hide behind these things that you place in front of you like if I, if I have enough Louis Vuitton bags maybe, you know, and you hide behind things because inside you're not good enough. You're not worth enough. And can I tell you something about this low self-worth? You will meet your future spouse and think you are not good enough for them. Because that's what low self-worth and shame does. You go, I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough for that person. That person's, right, because of your faulty belief system. The other, um, the, other um, the third byproduct that we wanted to mention today is lack of intimacy. Now, for those that are um, married in the room, if you find that you just can't get past the wall. See, this is what shame does. It builds walls. It builds walls, and you can't allow your partner to actually see who you are because who you are or who you believe to be is bad, yeah. right? It's shameful, or there's something about who you believe to be your, who you believe yourself to be that is not, you, you don't want to present that. You don't want to put that forward. And so if your partner gets close, they will see it the way you see it. And so I can't want that. And then you begin to push. And so there's a lack of intimacy there because there's barriers. They can't get in and they can't. And what happens is like they can't understand why. Like, what's going on? Like, I, you know, because and there is nothing there. It's a belief that you built yourself. You know what I mean? So it, what, what shame will do is it'll push you far from, from those that you love because you have walls. And you won't let them um, get near. And there, you know, eventually it leads to there's no intimacy in your relationship. So those things can really affect relationships, right? The feeling of, of, of anger and, and, and the, the, the belief system of shame. And when it comes to cravings, and that's another, another part that can really affect relationships too. And I think that the, the chief element that affects relationships in our, our uh, uh, age today is greed. The chief crave element that, that really affects relationship, relationships is, 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 is greed because it's built in in our society. It's built in in the structure, in our belief system, in the way we operate. It's built in... Uh, uh, capitalism, greed can, can grow in there. You know, we're all told to have money, power, and success. That's how you measure your worth. That's how you measure your impact or how far you've come in life. And not that those things are bad, but if greed leads, then it's bad. Because greed, just like lust, is a craving. It's an appetite. And there's two things that we need to know about the nature of greed. First is that when greed leads, greed cannot be selective. You can't be greedy about money and not be greedy about other areas of your life. Greed will spread into your actions, into your desires, into your lusts, and, and you'll become greedy in areas that we, we don't really apply greed for anything aside money, right? But you can be greedy about relationships. You can be greedy about time. You can be greedy in, in other areas of your life as well. So when greed leads, it can't be um, selective because it's an appetite. 
The more you feed it, the more it consumes. That's what an appetite is. The more you feed the appetite, the more appetite you will have. The second thing is when greed leads, just uh, uh, like with food, which is what I just said, the more you consume, the more you want it. The more you want it, the more you seek after it. It's the same thing. Have you, have you noticed that? Like the more you eat, the, the more you can eat, the more you want to eat. It's the same thing with greed. Like the more you can spend, the more you want to spend. The more you can get and consume, the more you're going to want to get and consume. <clears throat> I know a guy, uh, a person, uh, that back in the day when he was a newlywed, he started a job, an entry-level job, earning minimum wage. Praise Jesus. Uh, uh, earning minimum wage at a company, a corporate uh, uh, environment. And this was an industry. They had the factory, and then they have management. So he started at the factory, and he realized, I can, I can work my way up. Because this, this is a company that I can do that. I can, I can work my way up. So he started uh, at minimum wage level, married, newly, newly married. And, and when he was at a minimum wage level a salary, he, he was trapped for cash. And so, you know, he started climbing. A couple of years later, he made up to management level. He was making a little bit more money, but he was still strapped for cash. And then a few years later, working hard, uh, he started climbing the ladder. The ladder and uh, greed was leading. Very greedy in, in the way that he lived his life. And he was at management level, or, or he made it up all the way to executive level. He was one of the top guys in the company. This was a, a, a multi-million dollar company. And he was making good money. At back, I think it was almost like 20 years ago, this guy's making six figures salary 20 years ago. It was a big deal. It was a lot of money that he was making. But he was still strapped for cash. It, it, it was, it was in, incredible for, for us friends to, to look at that guy and go, like, how can you be strapped for cash at making this kind of money? And uh, by then, he had one kid a little kid, and, uh, you know, uh, we couldn't understand. But because greed was leading, because greed was leading his life, money wasn't the only issue. Other areas of his life became an issue. He was consuming everything. He was, he was having affairs. He was selling secret information from the company to other competitors. He was, he was like, everything about his integrity was, was compromised because of greed and and. and you know, so, so eventually he got divorced, he was fired, he was found out, and he was still strapped for cash. He could never feed enough cash into his lifestyle because he was led by greed. Now, you look at a person like that, when, when, when things started coming to the surface, you know, he was part of a church, and, and uh, people around him were like, oh, he's, he's having marital issues. No, that guy never had marital issues. He had a greed problem. It wasn't the marriage that was suffering. He had a greed problem. And he carried that into the marriage. And that's what happens sometimes. If we bite on that greed craving and we feed it, it begins to grow. And it's, it's compound growth when, when it comes to greed. Because you always want more because you are consuming more. Then you are, you are at, a, at a level where you have to commit to that much consumption. And then you begin to consume even more. And greed begins to permeate every other area of your life. Because now it rules you. Greed leads. And when that happens, you know, it, it's, it, it ruins your life. So if, 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 if you're dealing with greed today, you know, you got to shine a light on it. you gotta, you got to uh, work out on the symptoms. So we're going to give you some action steps. All right? Are you ready? For these three elements, we're going to give you some action steps on how to deal with it. Going back to anger, yes. shame, and greed. Yes. Am I here? Because ah. we don't want to leave you with the problem. We yeah. want to give you solutions. Um, so the action step for anger, if you feel like you're, you know, and here's singles in the room. We're telling you this because you want to work on it before yeah. you meet your mate. You know, if you're in the marriage or if you're not married or if you're thinking of, like, these are things that we need to work within ourselves as early as possible. Um, and then, you know, when, whenever, whenever you see it. So the antidote or I guess the, the, the thing that will combat anger is forgiveness, right? Um, your current spouse or your future spouse should not pay the bill for what your mom or dad did. 
I mean, they just, they can't carry that weight. And so the, the way, the way to really get rid of that anger is to face it and forgive. And let me tell you that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a decision you make, and it doesn't happen overnight, but it is a daily decision sometimes that you have to walk out, but it is a choice you make. And so we encourage you today that if you feel like there's areas in your life that you're just so, like that was, like, while JD was explaining it, you're like, that's me. Like, whether you want to face it or not, or if you have that little voice inside going, that's you, you know, listen to it and kind of go, okay, God, who am I not forgiving? Who? Who, who hurt me? Where is it in my life that, I, that maybe I haven't noticed? Sometimes you don't know, right? And so look in your life and choose to forgive. Choose to release the person that has hurt you. Because as long as you're holding on to it, you won't get over and you will continue to be angry. Now anger keeps you tied to the past, right? Remember J.D. spoke about last week about getting rid of the past and leaving the past so you can get embrace what's new right? Embracing the new. To, in order to embrace the new, you have to be able to forgive anything that's in the past. Yeah. You have to be able to release it. So if there's anything in you that's like holding on to someone or to something or, you know, forgive that so that you could, so the anger can go away. Gotcha. Forgiveness cuts the Forgiveness rope. Forgiveness cuts the rope. Yeah. yeah. The second thing that we talked about is shame. And shame can be so frustrating when you're in a relationship. For, for both people, because if you're the one who's bound by shame, this is something that you deeply believe. You deeply believe that you can't do it. You deeply believe that you are what you were told you are, and you can't see past it. But the other person, if they, if they, 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 they might be able to look at you and say, you are not that. They, can, they might be able to see greatness in you. Not only that, see past it. See what you can accomplish. And it can be so frustrating because that, that disconnection, that lack of, of, of uh, congruence in, in, in the ability to see uh, or believe the same thing about you can really, really taint the relationship. And if you make it, if you still survive that, that type of attrition, if you still survive and, and you remain in a shame-bound mindset while your spouse or your mate uh, is putting up with it while they see that you can move further, your relationship is not going to be great. It's going to be bound for mediocrity. And this can happen later in life too. It might be that you were all peppy and confident uh, throughout the beginning of your marriage, but then something happened. Because shame can happen to you at any level of life. It's not just something that you carry when you're small. You might be in a job where you failed and somebody said, this is why you failed, and you have a bad uh, out, uh, uh, what is it, what do you call it, an a, 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 uh, interview when you go out of work? It's an a, a, a exit. exit interview. Thank you. I just had a little there. Uh, when, when you go for your exit interview, the HR person just gives such a compelling case that you were not competent, that you believe that. Oh, maybe you're just in, not in the right job, but you begin to embrace that identity, and it begins to affect the way you see yourself. Now you can't be as confident to move forward, and it can affect you later in life while you're already in a relationship, okay? So you got to get rid of it. And the way you get rid of it, remember, shame is a door stopper, meaning you try to open doors, it won't open. And that's not the door problem. You're the problem, right? Shame can, can be a limiter, a ceiling. It stops you. The way you get rid of it is that you got to expose it. you gotta, you got you to gotta really, and this might sound weird, but you got to really expose it because that's what you do with lie. That's what the scripture talks about when, that you do with a lie. You got to bring it to light because when it, it's brought to light, you know, truth shines it and you can see it. So you got to bring that, 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 that lie into the light. And when you do that, obviously you got to be selective. You will do it with people that love you. And if you're married, your spouse is the person, okay? If you're married, you don't go to a friend, you, you go to your spouse. Now you got to make sure if you're the spouse, you got to make sure that you don't validate the shame, okay? Hey, I have this thing, I, I believe I'm incompetent. Yeah, you're, you're right. You are. <laughs> Don't do that, all right? And we're going to deal with, with that later in the, in the series, um, how to build each other up. But you got to understand that you need to expose it. And if you're the spouse, you know, allow room for that person to open up and then remind them who they are. You remind your spouse that they are not that shame label. They are a child 
of God. And you need to know this. You need to know who you are. This is the second step. You expose it so that you can embrace your identity. Because it is a matter of identity. It's, it's a matter of you knowing who you are. And what, you got to know that you are not undisciplined. That you are not stupid. That you are not dumb. You are not a coward. You are not these things. Now, you may have acted without discipline. And you may need to improve your discipline. You may have acted a certain way and you may have made poor choices. You may lack boldness and you might need to increase that in your life. You may have failed in the past. But you are, who you are is a child of God. And this is why you cannot be incompetent. You cannot be uh, 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 stupid, coward, or, 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 have, uh, uh, or be a failure. Because you are a child of God, God doesn't make any of that. He doesn't build or form any of that. And this is where your belief system really needs to be strong in your conviction. If you believe you're a child of God, if you believe that God formed you in the womb and breathed his life into you, then you have to know that the kind of life you actually have and the tools that he gave you are for greatness. You might have not developed that greatness. You might need to develop discipline or some of those things that we talked about. But you can do it. You know what I'm saying? You can do it. You might not have it yet, but you can attain it. You can do it. Yes. And the third one we're going to tell you is um, about greed. So the, the way to, to get over greed is you starve greed with generosity. Yes. You have to starve it. It's an appetite. It's a craving, right? So you starve greed with generosity. Because typically, a greedy person thinks like this. This is the progression. First, what do I get out of it, right? They're always thinking about me first. Me, what do I get? What do I, it's, a, it's about me and how soon? Because I don't want to get out of it in 10 years, right? So what do I get out of it and how, do I, and, and how soon? The second thing that they think is where can this take me, yeah. right? So they're looking at, at whatever situation is in front of them. The way they think, the process of a greedy person is where can this take me? Like this job opportunity, where's it taking me? This, this person, where's it taking me? Where, like it's about, again, about them. It's selfish, selfish ambition. The third thing is, uh, is my spouse going to have a problem with this? Manipulation, right? A lot of times when you have greed in your heart, you're not thinking about the best for the marriage. You're thinking, how can I get away with it? I really want to buy that. How can I make my spouse believe that that's good for both of us? Manipulation, right? Yeah. It has never happened to anybody here. So. No, 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 not in this church. Um, but the way, so like we said, the way you get rid of it is generosity. So generosity takes the opposite order, the opposite focus. First, you act to the benefit of the other. So first you think, okay, how can, that, how can I bless my mate? How can I bless my, my the, you know, my partner? Or you think, the second way you think is act to the benefit of the ultimate goal of the marriage. Now let me tell you, each marriage in the room should have some goals. Should have some things that together you are working towards so that when these things come up, when there are opportunities, you are, you know, you have the opportunity to, to, to work together. And to show actually your spouse or your mate that you're in this. Like we're in doing this together. There's something so beautiful about the accomplishment, the united accomplishment of like we put this goal together and we're going to make it happen, yeah. right? So there's beauty in that. And so when you live a generous life, you're thinking about the goal of the marriage and not what do I get out of it all the time, right? You're thinking about what will propel us forward, not me forward. And the third thing is, is this, um, is the immediate benefit mutual again, is it about us or is it just about me? Take a hard look at how, how your behavior and the exchange in the marriage is. The question is always how, 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 how is it going to be good for me? How can I, I, me, me, I, if these are the thoughts in your head, then there's a, a little part of you that needs to go, okay, maybe I'm being greedy in this marriage or in this relationship. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I have a, actually was thinking about that. Uh, we have a couple here in the church. Some of you, most of you know them. Um, and I haven't asked them to share this, but I'm sure they won't mind. But when they moved to this area, I was really proud of them because the husband was transferred here. Um, and they had never lived in the Northeast. And they're a young couple, and they moved here. But he made sure to find a church community where women are valued. 
So he found us online, and even though his job is like 20 mi- uh, 15 miles from here, he picked Stanford so that his wife could benefit from the, the community and the city here in, in this area. That, that, that's what we're talking about, you know. Like you will move forward, you will advance, but as you do, it's the unit first. It's not worth it if you're taking all the glory and you're taking all the benefit at the expense of your wife or your, or your husband. Amen. And that's what we have for you today. <laughs> and now we're going to have some keys to make things more spiritual. Keys make everything spiritual. Show them. Show them... Uh, Daniel, come on. You're about to feel it. You're about to feel it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can play it. Listen, maybe you're here today. And you see that? Maybe you're here today and you came in here this morning. And some of the things that we have uh, talked about, you know, obviously we applied it to the context of relationships. But some of them... It, it, it struck you. It touched you. Maybe, maybe you've, been, you've been dealing with some of these things and it's stuff that you live through. It's things that, they are real. It's really painful things that you live through that affected you. Maybe things you saw. Maybe things that you're projecting because you didn't live in a, in a home where the relationship was functional. You, you never experienced mutual respect and mutual responsibility. And maybe you're afraid of even trying. Or maybe you've tried in the past and relationships have failed because without even realizing, you reproduced what you lived. You reproduced what you experienced. Maybe you have lost belief for healthy relationships because of resentment. And that's not even what was done to you. Maybe it was what what was done to your parents. You lived in a home where, you know, your, your parents were not, didn't treat each other right. And one of them always suffers, right? And whatever side you took, it just ruined the whole thing for you. And you, you left and you're like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own way. And it's been hard for you to build solid foundations on how to progress and how to build a life that, that is healthy. Let me just tell you here this morning, you can do it. All right? You can do it. You can have a successful marriage full of love and healthy even though you lived in hell. All right? You can have a beautiful family where your children can grow and be, and be led and raised by loving, kind parents. Because that's what you will be and that's what you can be. Loving and kind parents even though you never saw the model. I'm, just not, I'm not just saying this to you because, you know, I'm trying to inspire. I've seen it. I've seen people who have grown in homes and houses that were completely dysfunctional. Entirely dysfunctional. And they raised children that, with such love and such kindness. Children that were so well put together. They would never know the kind of abuse they have suffered. You would never know the kind of thing they went through. Can I just add real quick? Yes. So I'm, I'm a product of that. My father grew up in a home that I tell you what, yeah. it was awful. He was beat every day of his life. Okay, it was abusive. It was negative. It was ugly in every possible way. But my father found Jesus and he said, this is not going to be my story. Yeah. And he raised my sister and I with love, yeah. with care. I've seen him and my mom stick it together, stick through it. I mean, the issues, the financial, they were really broke. But they never gave up, and they said, our home is not going to be that way. So I want to tell you that I'm a product of that. Yeah. Okay, when Jesus comes into the picture, he can do impossible things. I didn't mean to catch up this one. Yes, that's powerful. So there's one thing that you need to do here today if you haven't done it yet. you got to get serious with God. If you don't have that identity in God that we talked about when we were talking about shame, you need to get it. The way to get it, you, you get a relationship with God. If you're dealing with anger, you know, you need to forgive. Maybe you don't have the strength in you or even the reason and logic in you in your mind to strength, to, to, to forgive. 
Well, with God, all things are possible. God can give you the strength and the ability to forgive. Because you can find the love, redemption, and healing. He can mend your brokenness. And he can help you get rid of that anger. And if, if your problem is greed here this morning and it's affecting your relationship, if greed is your problem and you can't, you don't know how to get past it, let me tell you this. You can't put any of those strains on your relationship. You can't put that expectation on someone else. Maybe you've tried that. Maybe you've tried to use a relationship as a band-aid for your own issues. You can't. you got to get healthy yourself. And the way to do it, i got to tell you guys, you got to do it from the inside out. And the only being that can get to the most inner parts of who you are and mend it back together is the one who made you. Is the one who made you. So today I want to give you an opportunity to make peace with God. And we're going to pray for every single person here today. But if you don't mind standing with me this morning, and if you're here today, and you're in that situation, that's you, and you say, God, I need you. God, I, I, I've known you just from the hearing of the year, but I want my eyes to see you. I want my eyes to see who you are, and I want to be mended by you. I want to be restored by you. I need you in my life. I want to ask you to raise your hand in a minute here. And you're going to make a decision to follow him. So three, two, one. If that's you, just raise your hand everywhere in the room. Yes, I see you. I see you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve hands. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Let's all pray together. Put your hand in your heart and let's say, Dear God, I offer you my heart with every part. The broken parts and the parts that are still functioning. I give you my past, my regrets, my accomplishments, and my victories. I give you my present, the state of my soul today, how I find myself today. And I give you my future, where you can take me, the places that you have designed for me, because I want to get there. I want to become the person I was made to be. I want to be mended. I want to be made whole. I want to continue to grow into your image. So come into my heart. I offer you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. Jesus, I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your redemption. And I give you my life. From this day forward, Amen. Hey, listen, if that was you, yes, God bless you. God bless you.